Welcome to Realoran International Ministries Incorporated with Anne Elizabeth, where real people meet a real God. Welcome to Realoran. I'm so glad that you have returned for our look at judgment. Judgment is so wonderful. You know, the Bible tells us that if if God hadn't afflicted us in Psalm 119, then we have con- we would have continued in our sins. You know, and uh, been you know as First Corinthians chapter 11 verse 32 tells us that he cor- he brings correction uh, to us to turn us from iniquity so that we're not condemned with the world. You know, we really need to say thank you, God, when He brings correction. Thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Because what is what is better that God corrects us and brings us back in line and then we enter eternal life? Or that God just ignores us and lets us have uh, have all of the iniquity we can swallow and uh, we spend forever on fire. See, love takes the time to get in our way to stop us. He reminds me God is like a big goalie in front of a hockey at a hockey game, you know how they stand in front of the 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 place where the puck comes in. I don't even know what it's called, but God is is standing there and and the people, he's pushing the people back out like the goalie does the puck out of hell. You see? And so the fact that God is working with us, bringing correction, bringing attention, uh, is a good sign. Amen. So we just want to look up and say, thank you, Father. Amen. And we need to realize that sin, it cannot be hidden. It eventually uh, rise to the top. And uh, if God isn't able to take it out of our lives, um, the whole world will know. We see people on the news feed that have uh, been in sin, and some of it is very shocking. But God probably tried to deal with these people behind the scenes, right? But he wasn't able to. They just brushed him off. But his great love for them brought it to light and brought it to the news. And now it's splattered all over the news. Why? Well, probably to get this man to turn from his evil ways and wickedness so that he could get in line and enter into eternal life. Numbers thirty-two twenty-three reads, But if you will not do so, behold, you have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. Be sure your sin will find you out. You know, there's nothing hidden that will not be revealed. You know, you might have a lot of things hidden in your closet. You might have pictures of women that you've been with and you have hidden them from your wife. And you might be the wife that has photographs in her safe of uh, men she's been with and love letters she's received. You might have gotten gifts from your lover and placed them in hidden, uh, hidden safety zones throughout your home. And you may have even dug up, uh, ground around your property and buried things in, inside of the earth. But let me tell you, your sin will find you out. God sees everything that you do. Everything that is hidden will be revealed. We know about um, a story of a man in the Old Testament that uh, when the army of Israel went in to take a nation, God said, make sure you don't take anything out of there. Burn everything. 
But one guy was filled with lust and he took things that he wanted. He brought it back to his tent and he hid it. He hid it in the ground underneath his tent. And when the nation of Israel went to war again, they were not able to win. And which was really odd because every place they went with God that God taught them to go, they won hands down. And uh, the, the captain went to God and said, what happened? Why did we lose? And God said, you cannot stand before your enemy when there is sin in the camp. And he said, there is sin in the camp. And so his sin was found out, and a very sad thing happened. He was completely destroyed, and everything he stole and all of his family and his things. So we just don't want to end up in that predicament. Um, we just don't. And we know that there are two different kinds of judgment upon the earth. The first uh, kind of judgment we're going to look at is eternal judgment. It is the judgment that is experienced by a human that stands in rebellion against God and refuses to say, God, I'm sorry and refuses to come clean with God through the blood of Jesus, okay, and be reconciled to God. And God teaches them as a father with a child uh, how to read his Bible and, and understand him and how to do life. And then God gives them all the grace they need and help every day to do what's right. And when you fall down, it says the just fall down, but they get back up, amen, and get brushed off and try again, right? And so God's always working with us. You know, when we mess up and fall down, he's like, just get back up, brush yourself off, say, I'm sorry, you know, I messed up, admit it, confess it, forsake it, right? And keep on trucking with God. But uh, these people didn't do that. They stand, stood in defiance against God because they never wanted to obey God. You know, it's about authority. Many people want to be their own gods. They want to set up their own religion, what makes them feel comfortable, what uh, allows all the sin they partake of. See, they just don't want to acknowledge him. But uh, that is a shame because God loves you and he wants everything for you. And the road you're on is wide and many people are on that road and it's going and heading right to eternal judgment, destruction. So Jesus had warned us about that in the book of Matthew, chapter 24, beginning in verse 45. He talks about uh, judgment. Uh, he talks about don't become a drunk person because, you know, saying you're a Christian and then becoming a drunk because the Lord will say you're a hypocrite. And uh, he will he will come in a day where you're not looking for him, the Bible says, and he will cut you in pieces. This is Jesus speaking, Matthew chapter 24, beginning in verse 45. And he will cut that person in pieces and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites, the actors, where there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's eternal judgment. And, and Christ has stated so many scriptures about eternal judgment over and over and over again. And we need to believe the words of Christ. If you say you love Jesus, but you don't know Jesus, you know, you don't know Jesus. You know, when Jesus appeared to me in 2001, I thought I knew Jesus. I was raised and I knew bits and pieces about Jesus. I knew about his love and his grace. I knew about faith and him blessing me and giving me stuff and able to wipe away my tears and help me with my problems. But I never knew the side of Jesus that um, 
has stated to the earth, according to his written word, that if you don't depart iniquity and you die in iniquity, you die in sin, no matter what you confess, you will be eternally separated from him in a place called hell and then onto the lake of fire. And I was shocked. I was shocked. And Jesus said, I just want you to know, you know, I'll give you everything that I am for you to make it in. But if you die in sin, as you live in sin, and, and you call yourself a Christian, you will live separate from me in everlasting torment. And he took me on a tour of hell. You can read about that encounter in Real God. It's a great book. Uh, you can find it on my website at realaron.org. We know that God also gives earthly judgment, correction, chastisement, so that he can stop us in our track. You know, if I was racing down the highway in a brand new Porsche because I wanted to test drive it, so to speak, and the the, the um, stop sign says, you know, 70 miles an hour, but I looked around, I didn't see anybody, and I was going to see how high I could get that that Porsche, you know, and I got it up to 170 and I just ripped right through it. I guarantee you that if a policeman saw that God would make sure that a policeman saw and I would be stopped and perhaps even given so many tickets and even maybe my driver's license taken away for a season. That is judgment. That is God's judgment. That is God's judgment for correction, for alignment, for a reset for a new creature so that I wouldn't destroy my life going 170 miles down the freeway. So if God doesn't stop us from uh, doing drugs, if God doesn't stop a prostitute from prostituting herself, if God doesn't stop a homosexual from, from sinning against him and himself, if God doesn't stop the sins that are committed on a daily basis, if he doesn't stop the alcoholic and the bartenders and, and, and the bars and the brothels and the sex shops, if he doesn't stop us, if he doesn't stop the abortions, you know, if he doesn't stop us to correct us, then we will drive our cars, so to speak, our lives right into eternal judgment. So he gives earthly judgment to stop eternal judgment. Amen. It's God's love, God's love that brings judgment. I want you to say that God's love is the first number one thing in judgment is God's love. If he has brought judgment into your life or into the earth, it's because he loves us. So thank you, Father, for loving us. Amen. He does it to, to get our attention and, and he brings, he allows trials and different events in order to save us and to rid us of sin so that we don't suffer eternal separation from him in a lake of fire. Okay? He says, if you're not going to read my word and you're not going to believe my word, maybe you'll get this message. Amen? And that message comes pretty loud and clear. I know he kept going on and on with Israel, you know, to repent of their sins, to repent of their sins. There was a man named Jeremiah. He was a prophet of God, a mouthpiece of God. He spoke for God and under God to the nation to turn them from their wicked ways because the kings raised up underneath David's throne. You know, David was a man after God's own heart. We know the first king was Saul. God had to end up killing Saul because Saul was full of pride. Then we know David was next in line. He was a man that wasn't perfect, but he always repented. He got back in line, but there were consequences for David's sin. Then we have Solomon that had no respect for God. 
And then we have the kings on down the, the, the lines. And we know that God spoke and spoke to the kings through his prophets, his people, his mouthpieces. And, uh, to, to get the kings to stop sinning and to rule his nation, his people underneath his person, which is holy and, and respectable because he wanted a holy and a royal, wealthy nation of people that honored and respected and obeyed him. But we know they didn't listen. They did not listen. And God raised up a nation. He raised up a nation against them, Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, and he came in and they dragged the nation of Israel and they made them slaves and captives in Babylon. And then we know that the kings of Judah, the kings of Judah would not obey God. And so they became captives and slaves to Assyria underneath the hand of God as God is ruling his nation for God alone sits on the throne. And to the right of him is the Son of God. And the Son of God prays for us every day and intercedes on our behalf that we will know the word, believe the word, and do the word, and to fear God, and to enjoy God, and to respect God. So we know that God brings judgment to change us. Isaiah 42, beginning in verse 1, is one of my favorite scriptures. It says, Behold my servant whom I uphold, my elect in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not cry nor lift up nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed shall he not break and the smoking flax shall he not quench. He shall bring forth judgment unto truth. Do you see the purpose? It's love because of truth. His word is eternal and he wants you to be his forever. So he's got to bring correction. He's got to bring chastisement. He must bring judgment into all of our lives. He is our father. He shall not fail nor be discouraged till he has set judgment in the earth and the isles shall wait for his law. So when he brings an international judgment upon the earth, it's his love. When you look up, you see his love and then you see his truth. It is written. It is written all the way through the word from Genesis to the end of Revelation. And he's wanting us to look at that word and to remove the sin out of our life and to be people that do righteousness so that he he can bring us into our, our earthly inheritance and into eternal life with great reward. Say, thank you, God, for loving me. Thank you, God, for loving our nation. And then thank you, God, for loving all nations. In Jesus' name, amen. God chastises, corrects, brings discipline to those he loves. Say, God is guilty of loving us. Proverbs chapter 3, beginning in verse 11. My son, my daughter, despise not the chastening, the correction, the discipline of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects even as a father, the son in whom he delights. If God didn't love us, he wouldn't be correcting us. Amen.
Would you spend time correcting your child to get them to go the right way if you didn't love them? Do you know it takes more effort to be grounded with your child and to sit as they're complaining and, and train them and mold them and work with them so they can inherit than it does just to look the other way? Right? Maybe go play golf and we don't care that, that uh, Joel's in the back bedroom smoking pot. Right? But we work with our kids. We train up our children in the way they should go. Okay, what do you think God does with the human race? It's beautiful. We must not deny our sin or the severity of the consequence of sin. You know, when God comes knocking at our door, you know, we need to take a look and say, you know, God, you're right. I have sinned. I've sinned against you and everybody in between. And I ask you to forgive me. In Hebrews chapter 10, beginning of verse 26, it says, If we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment that will devour the adversaries, okay, with fiery indignation. And so we don't want to be devoured by God in judgment, do we? We have a chance in judgment to say, okay, I see the light, God. I see the problem. I see you. I see you standing there with love, and you're pointing to the Word. And you want me to come to the Word and read it, and you want me to put away my sin and put righteousness in my life and to live according to the way it was created, me under you, obeying you and loving you. Amen. It's wonderful. And we have that opportunity in judgment to get our lives in order. It's God's altar call. It's God's wake-up call. It's God saying to us, trust me, heaven does rule. Okay? And the earth must come underneath his rule to be blessed by him instead of experience his fiery indignation as the book of Hebrews chapter 10 tells us so. You know, in judgment, we often see inside of the invisible realm uh, into the demonic kingdom. I um, I saw the demonic kingdom, and the Lord let me see the demons that I had partook of, you know, at my cottage back in 2001 when God turned on the light switch, and I got to see the invisible realm he created. As we know, he made visible and invisible in the book of Colossians chapter 1. He made the things we see, and he made the things that we don't see. And the interesting thing about it is the things that we don't see are eternal. It's eternal, the things we don't see. Although, although we see other humans, they are eternal. And the word of God is eternal. Those are the two eternal things on the earth plus one, the invisible realm. Amen? And so he turned the light on, and I got to see all these demons. You know, I partook in so much sin. I was into drugs and alcohol, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, big list. And God said, these are the demons that you have allowed in your life. He said, they, they will either destroy you, because that's his title, the destroyer. Right? He comes to steal, kill, and destroy the devil and all these demons. He said, but the only way the demons go is if you obey me. And that's in James 4, 7. Submit to God and resist the devil, and the 
devil must flee. And God said, then I will heal your land. That's 2 Chronicles 7, 14. So we need to know that when in our iniquity, we are laced with devils, whether we see them or not. And God has told us in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27, he said, neither give place to the devil. Don't sit out a seat for him at dinner. Amen. With your highballs. Okay. I guarantee you, if you're a liquor lover and you, you drink strong liquor, you drink booze, you drink uh, alcohol. And, and you smoke tobacco and you participate of drugs and everything that is against the holiness and purity of God, you have demons in your home. You might even have demons in you. And so if you're tired of that life, that filthy sewer, you need to repent, stop sinning and do right. God didn't make us to be laced with demons. He made us to be surrounded by his holiness and his presence, as John 14, 23 tells us, and his mighty holy angels which guard and protect the inheritance of almighty God, his children that have chosen him on this earth through it all. And you know, the, the good news about judgment is it, it can be a painful situation, but the good news in judgment is the promise of restoration. God brings judgment, brings correction, which brings loss. In judgment is always loss of some kind. But the good news in judgment is that when we do what's right, we do what Second Chronicles 7.14 says, we can experience restoration. God will restore our life. He will bring it back up again. Psalm 32, beginning in verse 3, reads, When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. Selah. Think about it. I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and my iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest me the iniquity of my sins. Selah. So the good news is that God wants to restore us, and he wants to bring us back to life, and he will bring us back even stronger in restoration. That's the good news. If we will do what's right, if we will do what's right in judgment, we will rise above where we came from, of course, and, and rise much stronger through the hand of Almighty God in what is called restoration. But if we refuse God's correction, judgment, in judgment, we will be destroyed. The ones that refuse God will be destroyed. Isaiah 120, if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured with a sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. In Isaiah Chapter 3, verse 11, Woe unto the wicked, that's not good. It shall be ill with him, for the reward of his hands shall be given him. And so we want to do what's right in judgment and not be a, a people that in judgment turn and sin even more against God. Do you see? If you had a son in your home and he lived in your home and he had his own uh, wing of your estate, you know, and uh, you laid out the laws, 
And you said to him, if you don't start uh, cleaning up your room and coming home on time and having respect for my kitchen, you know, clean up after yourself, you're not going to be living here anymore. And so instead of getting in line and doing what is right, the kid turned on you and started even doing more worse things. He started polluting the whole house. He started destroying things. He started writing graffiti over the walls. He took all of your artwork and smashed it. He took your beautiful swimming pool and filled it full of snakes. He took your refrigerator and all your food and laid it out as carpet all over your new Persian rugs. What would you do with the child? Do you see? That's not wisdom, is it? So we don't want to usurp God in judgment. We want to stay humble and say, Father, we deserve what we have received because we were full of sin, you know, but we confess our sins and we ask you to forgive us and to restore our lives again as we walk humbly with our God. Amen. And so the thing about the ones that have suffered in judgment, they're through with sin. I know God has allowed me to suffer from the mistakes I've made. And then he lifts the suffering and brings in restoration. But, you know, when you allow your child to suffer for their mistakes and maybe they're grounded two weeks or whatever the case, their car was taken away for two months, whatever the case, the child has now learned not to do that again because the child has experienced a loss. He's experienced pain. That's what brings change. That's training up your child. And so God is a parent. He's the father over his nations. Okay. First Peter chapter four, beginning in verse one, it says, for as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind for he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lusts, the forbidden desires of men, but to the will of God. So that is good. You know, we, we know that suffering from sin produces righteousness. Amen. And righteousness produces blessings and, and righteousness produces the promised land in our life. And righteousness gives us good from God and righteousness opens wide the gates of heaven on our day that God brings us home and says, welcome home. You know, this is the place I've prepared for you from the foundation of the earth. It's good. It's all really, really good. And, you know, we need to remember on our journey uh, through all of our lessons with God that the angels, they rejoice over us. Zephaniah 3.17, and also the Lord rejoices too. Zephaniah 3.17 reads, The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save, he will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. Luke 15.10, the angels, likewise I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repents. You know, when you say, God, I'm sorry, the angels rejoice. The angels rejoice and God is so pleased because God wants you safe, set safe, S-A-F-E. God wants you safe and he wants you to be with him for 
ever. And that is why that God brings correction so that he can set truth in front of us. And we know that truth is the word of God. And God said, clean them up, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. John seventeen seventeen. Good night. Aileron International Ministries Incorporated appreciates all of its faithful covenant partners and wishes each and every one of you a beautiful life with Jesus. Please visit Rielaron today at www.rielaron.org.